welcome to From the World Up. Today we're talking about teaching magic. First of all, I want to do a shout out to Aliette de Baudard. Um, I'm assuming that you do it by the French, French pronunciation, sorry if I butchered that. Um, author of House of Shattered Wings, who helped me out with um, expanding my paradigm for this podcast. So a lot of my stuff is going to be from a very Western paradigm, um, but I want to talk a bit about uh, expanding that paradigm and things for you to consider. And I am going to over overuse that word a lot. Um, so I apologise for that paradigm, paradigm, paradigm. Um, a lot of traditional uh, education started um, with the basic oral tradition um, where people would learn as children at the knee of the grandmothers. Uh, and grandfathers of their tribe. Usually grandmothers, um, most education started in matriarchal and matrilineal um, tribes within the um, Iron Age and Paleolithic era. Um, another one to consider is uh, the sort of medieval construct of apprenticeships and journeymen, uh, where you would um, ally yourself to somebody who is already a craftsman and uh, learn directly from them with the uh, Proviso that you would either take on their work or uh, help them with their work until you had, uh, for want of a better word, graduated um, to a full craftsman. I don't see enough of that in uh, in modern fantasy, and I kind of miss it. Um, Pratchett, in uh, some of his uh, books, uh, dealt with the idea of travelling teachers, of teachers who would go almost like uh, uh, peddlers from town to town, offering what wisdom they could. Uh, that works really well with sort of like the uh, witch wizardly um, construct within fantasy of, of somebody who goes from place to place. Really good example of that actually is in the movie Mythica, the first one uh, with Kevin Sorbo's character. Um, but yeah, so uh, that those, those are the more traditional way of thinking of things um, before you go full Hogwarts, for, for want of a better phrase. Um, but you've got to consider that if you are writing within uh, an empire construct, uh, that um, colonialization usually leads to a standardization of education. Um, they have standardized tests and curriculums, and that's where it tends to start, either by the spread of a religion or of a political um, empire, um, because there is more of a need for standardization and uh, things like that within civil services. Uh, good examples, if you want to have a look at this, are the uh, way that the English Empire um, organised the Indian civil servants uh, in the Indian subcontinent um, and the way that they did standardised testing um, and uh, set up sort of the brightest and best and every village would then be taken out and sort of um, taken into the uh, English civil service. Um, also very similar um, system when France occupied Vietnam um, with uh, again standardised exams uh, and that took over from the matrilineal matriarchal um, oral tradition that uh, until then had remained prevalent and remained the um, main route. Um, and I think that if you're doing like evil empire, it's really important to remember things like that. Remember the way that um, empires traditionally change education because they can not only um, standardise it for the good, but also limit what is learned and uh, put um, boundaries around what is allowed to be taught. They can control what is being taught. As I said, my main paradigm is the Western paradigm, um, and most of the schools I went to uh, originated as church schools, um, which is uh, where uh, a church has uh, started adopting foundlings and set up an educational uh, mission uh, connected to an abbey um, or a cathedral or a church um, for uh, local children or for foundlings in the area. Um, obviously, in uh, the Western canon, mostly they were boys until very, very recently. 
Um, and you've got to consider whether or not uh, your and I'm going to this later, obviously, but whether or not your magic is linked to gender roles, whether you're going pure equality or whether there is division of labor, whether they have, as, as it is in this country, um, the expectation still that women will uh, have the more nurturing roles, the more healing roles and men, the more defensive and aggressive ones. Uh, if you're going to do that, then uh, using uh, a religious school is a very good way to demonstrate that of like forcing your characters down. Uh, certain pathways. Um, church schools are usually named after the saint uh, that the church or the abbey or whatever was named after and therefore would follow their doctrine, certainly originally. So a school called St. Augustine's would follow Augustinian teachings. A school called St. Peter's, like the one I went to, uh, would traditionally follow um, the teachings of St. Peter. Um, very useful if you have like a saint or angelic or um, champion i guess yeah champion uh construct within yeah your world building um to have you know maybe one champion who was known for defensive um and for protection and therefore that school would focus on protection magic things like that um the as i said there often they would take in foundlings who would earn their learning and their board uh by helping copy out chronicles or doing pastoral work within the community um and then uh, a lot of the time would then possibly within abbeys schools go on to be novices and then monks themselves. Um, any school, uh, uh, whatever it is, it's going to have to have both a pastoral and educational aspect. So um, that's where the foundlings come in, this idea that they're looking after them and stuff. But you need it in any uh, schooling environment. You need to remember that you need matrons as well as teachers. You need admin staff that I will again talk about later. You need... Um, groundskeepers and all kinds of things and you can't get away with just having you know one dinner lady for example you know one cook if you have anything over 20 people you need more than that um i'll go into this more later on a different podcast if you're interested so do let me know um the other thing that's important to consider is king schools within the western paradigm um these are things like uh, King John, for example, set up a lot of schools um, and those kind of schools um, are more secular and they would often be fast tracked into the civil service. So uh, you'd start off doing going to the school and then get a job uh, within the exchequer, within uh, Westminster Palace, things like that. With those, there's a degree of class separation. Uh, it would be sons of people who help the uh, prince or the king out. Um, people who've been loyal to him in earlier years um, or got a particular boon for some reason. Um, and there's this built-in obligation uh, to the core. I think there's a lot of that in um, JRPGs, where that kind of distinct sense of uh, obligation to the crown and to the king and uh, for what you are and what you have. And that is a, a very powerful thing to bring in if you have uh, a system of honour and chivalry within your world construct, is if somebody has been trained in magic um, by something owned by the emperor or the king, they're going to have a degree of, I owe this, I owe my magic and my abilities to my king. Um, always consider in any school um, the existence of a board of governors in whatever um, in whatever standing. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a modern idea of you know people who have invested in the school and who some you know, come to meetings. It could just be old alums. It could be um, powerful wizards. It could be a, a board of magical beings. Whatever it is, if there's investment in uh, the in the teaching, there's going to be interference as well. Um, and yeah, if, if you've ever been to a school and been aware of, of the higher up type stuff, the board of governors can be a right pain in the ass. Next, I'm going to talk about prejudices you might want to consider. Uh, first up, 
is uh, the town and gown issue. Now, if you don't live in the UK, this might not mean much to you. Um, town and gown is the division between um, a university or um, bit large, a bit larger school, um, the gown aspect, and the way that they fall into conflict with the town that they're situated with, you know, with students thinking they own the place um, and resentment, certainly class difference, resentment against that school. You know, you get punch-ups on a Saturday night, you get kids standing lobbing um, broken batteries down on, on the private school kids, things like that. And there is um, a lot of that in the UK. And if you're going for like a traditional university or um, private school vibe, you know, unseen university, Harry Potter, uh, Hogwarts kind of thing, uh, that's something you're going to need to consider. If your school is in a town, yes, there's going to be some... Um, uh, store owners and things who are happier with the idea and happier having someone to uh, come and buy stuff. But there's going to be a lot of people who are like, oh, why do they get the great opportunity to learn magic and I don't? Is magic open to everybody in your world? And if so, does everybody have an innate ability? Because if everyone has an innate ability, there's going to be uh, class levels. You're going to get the uh, cheaper schools for people who have no money. And then there will be elite schools too, because that is just what people do. We divide each other um, top to bottom and... Usually uh, within our culture, unfortunately, it means that money is at the top. Um, and uh, I'd consider having a look at the grammar school, the old grammar school construct of um, actually giving opportunities to kids who are genuinely gifted and genuinely bright. Um, I'd also uh, ask you to look at the um, the novice, uh, the high lord, and I've forgotten the last one, um, books by Trudy Canavan, uh, which are seminal in, in that kind of... Um, construct of university and she does universities brilliantly if you're looking for world building trudy canavan's books are incredible um and she uh really brings across the idea of a kid from um the slums going into a, an aristocratic university and she does it brilliantly so that's a, something to really look at and to consider is um not just the way that the aristocratic people might look down on the working class but also the way that the working class despise the upper class um, which is something that you cannot ignore. There is a huge amount of tension in anywhere where you have a hierarchical society, and that is always going to exist, unfortunately. Um, having a look at class perception, I'm going to refer to Hogwarts a lot over the next couple of uh, sections, but um, think about the way that the Weasleys lived in a buttoned old house and all of their clothes were hand-me-downs because all of the money um, that Mr. Weasley earned in a job he hated had to go to putting his kids through the school, the only school in the country that could give his kids the uh, education they needed to survive. So what do you do about the kids who don't have money, who don't have a job in the ministry, things like that, who can't afford uh, to send their kid to school? There is going to be a huge amount of resentment. And it's something that I feel was never really conveyed um in, in the Harry Potter books is the people who are left behind. And I always desperately wanted some kind of, some kind of resolution of the people who didn't go to Hogwarts, who, who couldn't afford it, but still had magical ability. Um, so yeah, to, uh, to move on before I get too wrapped up in what I want out of fan fiction, um, every school is going to have the other school uh, that they have a rivalry with. Um, there's always going to be, however ridiculous, uh, whether it be sports matches or just because they occupy the same space or because all the guys seem to end up with girlfriends from a different school and vice versa, there is always going to be uh, conflict with other schools. Um, it's it's ridiculous and it lasts for generations. And even after you stop playing that school in, in matches, you still have that sense of, ooh, it's them, I don't get on with them. Um, I don't, I honestly, I, my dad was forces, so I went to private school. I don't know if that exists as much in state schools. I honestly have no idea. Um, 
But if you are writing that kind of magical school, really consider that because there's got to be someone for everyone to be like, ooh, it's them. Um, and that leads me not quite neatly into like the Slytherin issue and the evil college issue. A lot of fantasies rely on this concept of the evil college of wizards or like James Barclay had one of like this evil college that had sort of was on an evil castle and an evil town kind of thing. And you do have that moment of, well, why don't you just disband it? Um, a lot of that comes back to the board of governors issue, especially in an aristocratic concept of people who have the money and therefore have the political influence, the clout to say, no, no, that's my old house. You can't turn that, close that down. Um, you know, you have that the sort of rich and, and influential alumni and people who are sending several kids through the school, through that house and things like that. So it becomes impossible for them to disband it. Uh, but that perception, um, you know, the whole uh, give a ba dog a bad name. If you tell a kid, oh, you're in the evil house now, they're going to start thinking, oh, well, I guess it doesn't matter what I do with myself. To go back to Christianity, it's the uh, Augustinian principle of predestination of, oh, it's my destiny to go into heaven or hell. So it doesn't matter what I do on this mortal plane. Um, and if you put a kid into the evil class and things like that, then why would they not decide to act out? Why would they not act um, defensively to other people who have decided that they're the bad guys? It just makes no sense to expect them to uh, to uh, stand against the stereotype. Um, and although, uh, again, in, in Harry Potter, the Slytherin is portrayed as like the evil house in the first books, um, I've always had more of an issue with the bullying from Gryffindor of that kind of, we're the best, you guys suck, you're the bad guys. And that kind of separation and segregation goes beyond rivalry. The kids only interact in lessons, which means that their only interactions are when they're competing against each other for places um, and exams for places in the class, things like that. Uh, and that just makes things worse. Uh, so you can use that as a conflict um, to make things worse, or you can try and combat it and have more integration um, for common rooms, things like that. I mean, at my school, obviously, we didn't have an evil house, but we did have the house that was good at everything. Um, it was Temple, if anyone's out there. Uh, very unlikely, but you know. Um, they were all really good at sports and really beautiful and, and really talented. And they were in all the top classes, and they all seemed to be in this one freaking house. Um and that carries carries on all the way through. And so you do have that kind of, well, what's the point in going up against them? They're the best. We know they're the best. And um, that is, is less of a problem than that's the evil house. Anybody in there is evil. I don't have to try and like them because they're the bad guys. And that kind of bullying and exclusion goes both ways. Um, you know, you can bite your thumb at, at a kid who's who thinks he's the best. But if you're going to tell him he's evil, then why the hell should he try and be nice to you, you know? Um, I'd also like to throw in there again for an own voice point of view that an autistic kid uh, in that kind of situation is going to struggle because they're going to um, be very easily manipulated uh, in one direction or another um, in being, oh, this is what we do. This is our house. So you have to act like this. And the autistic person going, oh, OK, this is how I'm supposed to act. Um, if you are autistic and you're trying to write own voice, consider that. Um, I think that idea of of the kid finding out that they're evil. Oh, I'm supposed to be evil because I'm in the evil house. And therefore that's setting their path um, from then on. All this talk of evil houses brings me nicely into evil teachers. Seriously, Hogwarts, what was your hiring system? Um, obviously, if you're going to do uh, just in league with the bad guys um, and just having perfectly good credentials, that's absolutely fine. Just try and make it clear that your school isn't 
staffed by idiots in the HR department because seriously, um, I think you need to consider as well the the nature of, of what is evil to a child and also what is evil to uh, to to a grown up. Obviously, the concept um, is very obvious, and yet at times you're looking at people saying, "How do you not realize that you're the bad guys?" That's very obvious in uh, in, in uh, the news at the moment, especially in the US. You look there and you say, "How do you guys not realize?" That you're evil and if you're you know you're evil why are you fine with that um and throughout history uh it's it's known that the evil people think they're the good guys um so try and avoid monologuing <laughs> is what i think i'm saying is the guy that's like oh i'm gonna take down the world they don't think they're taking down the world they think they're saving it and everybody knows the teacher who thinks they are hot shit when they are not um for me, there is no evil greater than PE teachers because they saw somebody who was dyspraxic and thought they were deliberately trying to be shit at things. Um, I also had issues with maths teachers because they have extremely analytical minds. It is difficult for them to understand somebody who doesn't understand maths. Um, so they sort of hit a black wall. And um, I think it's important to have that aspect in any kind of teaching is that you get the good teachers, but you also get the ones who are... Um, on tenure for a research position at a university, for example, and have to do the one lecture a week to, to keep their position or whatever. Um, you're going to have inter-teacher rivalries, um, which can be something, you know, personal, like they were slighted when they first moved in or just teaching styles. But kids pick up on that. Um, you know, you always know the teachers who are dating and the teachers who hate each other. And it is always hilarious to watch from the sidelines. Um, and I think that... Uh, within like magic constructs it's got to be very tempting for a, for a for a magic teacher to occasionally think i know the kids are there but i could blast that asshole with ice so easily um and and it's a good way of demonstrating control and teaching kids that they have to control their personal issues because the teachers do it as well um but i think it's important not to try to do the pure evil uh, teach the pure evil tutor um as far as they're concerned they're the good guys and disgusting as that is, it's important to remember when you're writing, um, especially within this kind of construct, in that magic is often uh, a parallel to religion, to belief, to um, again to your own paradigm and the way that the way that you act within the universe. Uh, so it's a really good way to uh, to demonstrate that within your book and the uh, morality systems within your world is is through teachers and through the way that they act and they behave. Um, I'm going to go into some uh, recommendations. I've already mentioned Trudy Canavan, both her, uh, the novice, um, the, what are called The Black Magician? I think it's called The Black Magician. I can't remember. That series, that amazing series that I love. Um, but also like the Millennium series that she's just brought out uh, is absolutely incredible. Again, uh, the story takes forever to get going, but the world building is incredible. And the uh, teaching systems that she has put in place and the law that she has put in place is top notch. Um, obviously, as well as Hogwarts, you want to think of the Unseen University and Terry Pratchett's books. Um, the way that he writes uh, the little petty rivalries between um, different magic users and the way that they all think that um, their department is the most important department is, is exactly how um, education has gone for about 200, 300 years. So if you're going for like a steampunk or Victorian era magic, anything like that, um, that's a really good one to look at and to consider. Um, I want to talk too about the importance of libraries with schools. Um, often school libraries are um, used as, as plot points for getting information, for getting exposition. Uh, there is very rarely a time when a library is open and the librarian is not there because they always lock up because the books collectively are very expensive and very, very flammable. 
Uh, imagine in a school where people are being taught how to use flames, that's going to be even more important. If you can hear my cat in the background, I apologise. Um, there's a huge importance, certainly within church schools, as I was talking about before, uh, of, about chronicles and chronicling, and the pupils would spend time um, copying across um, because that was part of how they paid for their education. Um, chronicles are very important within, uh, within uh, the histories of a world, and uh, you can get incredible like doodles and things like that in, in proper chronicles. Have a look at some medieval chronicles um, online, they are beautifully uh, illustrated, and then occasionally you'll get one with a little fat dude and a, an arrow pointing it saying this is um, Abbot Rodolphus, lol, kind of thing. And, and it's, it's really uh, good insight into the levity that has always existed uh, beneath the surface. Consider too um, that um, a pupil is never going to uh, treat knowledge with the same reverence uh, that an adult does. Um, in Worcester Cathedral, the Worcester Cathedral schoolboys in the uh, Victorian era used to use medieval manuscripts to make paper aeroplanes, paper darts, and throw them out into the yard. And just the idea of that, of all that knowledge and all those beautiful vellum pieces just thrown into the yard is, is, is almost physically painful to me. But that's kind of kids, you know, they don't treat the world with a, with a deep reverence of a scholar. Um, they need the information that they need to pass exams or to, uh, you know, to get to where they need to be in life, to learn the spell that they need. Um, and that's a lot of what they do. You'll get the kids that go into the libraries, but usually it's because they need to be quiet more than the fact that they're like, I need to learn everything right now. Um, unless, of course, they're so, so, you know, searching for something specific, um, plot related, if you know what I mean. Um, but again, Unseen University is a really good example for that because the librarian is one of the most uh, iconic um, characters in any fantasy and I will fight you on that. Lastly, I want to talk about like curriculum and some of the day-to-day -day of running uh, an education um, organisation, <laughs> a school. Um, you've got to think about what is necessary um, and what is forbidden. So what are like the basic tenets that every single pupil has to learn before they go through? And what is it that they're not allowed to learn? What is it that they're forbidden by the curriculum, by the empire, by religion, whatever? Um, there's always going to be something. Um, it's it's a gatekeeping thing, you know, how like some people are like, oh, you can't be a comic book fan because you don't know this issue that I like. Um, it's kind of the same thing. It, it's, it's the high wizards always want to be the high wizards. They always want to be the most important. So they will always retain something um, and always be afraid of those who can use it naturally. Uh, consider also gender roles. If you're going to do a classic binary uh, thing of like the Western culture um, concept of binary uh, genders, uh, are you doing that because there is separation in the way that they're taught um, or the way that they use magic? Um, the witches and wizards thing in Terry Pratchett is a really, really good example of that. Um, some places, again, like I said, and prefer females in the um, more nurturing and protective roles and men in the more aggressive ones so uh it's fun to play with those but be aware that you don't have to write those you don't have to write restrictions on girls just to show how bad it is in our world um it is possible to just write them being equal um, it's not easy uh, but it's possible um how are types of magic classified um you're gonna have to have you know you don't go into a classroom and learn maths and english at the same time certainly not past the age of like four uh, so there will be different classifications. Um, I consider looking at like Chinese medicine and the way that like the different the elements are classified there and then compare it to the way elements are considered over here in the West. Um, are they divided into different like the way that you think or like the effects, things like that. Uh, consider how you want to divide it up for your teachings. Um, 
Uh, do you have any rites of passage within your school? Is there, um, you know, are people going to be held back a year if they don't get to a certain standard? I'd consider having a look at Lyriel, um, the uh, book by Garth Nix, like the opening chapters of that are heart-rending um, a depiction of a young woman who is um, much older but hasn't come into her own powers yet um, and that is written absolutely beautifully um, and, and reflects that concept of what happens when you're supposed to be able to use magic but you can't as opposed to being like the wunderkind who can use magic when no one else can't you know that kind of thing um, are they separated by classes like do you choose um, your like your major for the american audience um or is it much more a case of everybody has to learn a little bit of everything, like the baccalaureate? Um, are there limitations on the use of magic outside of classrooms? Or is it absolutely fine? You know, are you allowed to use it when you go home? Are you allowed to use it out in the town? In which case, you know, that's going to um, have a knock-on effect to the town and gown prejudices that I talked about earlier. Um, speaking of, you know, what you're allowed to do, consider punishments. You know, um, if you've played the Dragon Age games, um, the idea of the right of tranquility hangs over mages in that uh, series in the world of Thedas. Um, the idea of having your magic stripped from you, but not just your magic, but all of your emotions so that you don't care about it. But it is horribly affecting to those that know you. Um, simple detention of, you know, standing at attention or um, just sitting on writing your essays, doing your doing your homework things like that, doing menial tasks, which, of course, especially in an aristocratic setting, uh, would be very embarrassing um, and very uh, humiliating to somebody who'd never worked a day in their life. Uh, corporal punishment or indeed mental punishment, uh, since we're talking magic, you know, the um, Crucio curse in Harry Potter, uh, if, if that was used as a punishment, would, would a kid um, rebel or would they go, OK, yeah, I'm never breaking a rule again. Uh, and finally, in massive capital letters with many exclamation marks, uh, consider how much admin is necessary for your magical institution to function. Um, whether it has to uh, talk scholarships to um, engage with different tribes, different villages to get the, the best of the best. Um, think about the bursaries, about how it runs itself, where the money comes from. Um, just consider these things. You don't have to write them. You don't have to have a big exposition bit, but it needs to make sense. And, and often uh, you can find little um, plot points and, and, and quirks just by understanding the way that your school works. Um, it needs a bursar, it needs a chancellor, um, it needs a, a head of some description uh, overseeing things, and if nothing else, then fending off the board of governors. Um, I hope this is useful. I know it's been a slightly shorter one than usual, um, but yeah, oh my God, I am so ill at the moment. Um, anyway, yeah, I hope this has been useful, and I've been Holly March. <laughs>